You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things, Season 2, Episode 7, The Lost Sister. I am Jess. I am Kim. Hi, Kim. Uh, So we're down to the last three episodes, and I will say that we mentioned last week, or last episode, that we got feedback from Mike the Rat Guy, who wrote us a really great note. And in it, he mentioned, not as a spoiler, but just a a note that we were going to be coming across an episode that was very divisive and was not his favorite. Um, And of course, you and I have been avoiding the internet like the plague, which is getting increasingly harder to do in terms (laughs) of like spoilers as we get a week into this. But um, I would say it was this episode uh, that is divisive and was not Mike's favorite. I would agree. It was also not my favorite. And I I hate to even say that. I just love this show so much. But you know what? You got to tell it like it is. And the reality is, is that even the best of shows can have a misstep. And for me, this was a bit of a miss. I still enjoyed the episode. But I mean, if they were going to have this episode, which I, you know, I don't necessarily even think was... Um, necessary anyway. Maybe it will pay back in the future. But the placement of this one, after the most intense episode I think the show has ever had, then to have the tension cut like this, where um, especially for us, where like we're already watching only one a day, but then for the first time in this week, (laughs) we didn't do a daily podcast. So we watched episode six and then had to wait two days before we watched seven. And then we watched seven, get no resolution and have to wait two more days before watching episode eight, which we have not watched yet. So I was just like, it was a disappointment for sure. Um, And I thought um, it's interesting because I I had the same thought thoughts and then I had the same thought about okay well maybe this is especially impactful because of the way that we're watching and if binging but it's interesting to hear someone who binged it say to us that they found it you know what I mean like they had that same reaction Um, and it does have a bit of like eat your peas feeling to it um, that you kind of have to like get through it and I think there's like two really impactful moments in it for me uh, but I don't know if it needed to have its entire own dedicated episode, episode. between I agree. Yeah, six and It eight. felt like a lot of filler to me. I definitely think that uh, the there were points that the show was making. I think we're going to have more Callie in the show and that there's going to be payoff from that. I do have several things written down about um, some of the things that I thought were good in this episode that we got in terms of takeaways and some theories of how I think that Callie is going to come back into the bigger story. But but you're right, a whole dedicated episode to this felt like like there was just a lot of filler and that mm-hmm. um, we didn't need to have so much of Callie and the gang. And um, I will say that, like, uh, I felt like an idiot that the first scene of the first episode, not a bank robbery. <laughs> well, and I but I think that that's that's an intentional reveal because yeah you know it and it is it's very i thought that was kind of impactful when you first realized that they are not robbing banks (laughs) it's way (laughs) different than that um but the way that the masks the getaway car like you know the first episode was shot that way um and that kind of helps have a little bit of a you know you grow and i will say i really like the actor playing kali like i think she is awesome I also love her accent which is just like I could just like she's a person I could listen to talk for a long time all day yeah right um and I like the dynamic of the gang it's just anyway I think you know that's exactly the point and we can come across that more as we we go through these episodes but yes um, for sure I cannot wait. I'm like, can we please record so I can watch episode eight? Because I just like need to see what <laughs> happens like, now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Let's knock this out and then we'll go watch episode eight. And we're going to come back for that podcast talking about all of the amazingness that Stranger Things is and continues to be despite the fact that this episode maybe not, uh not maybe episode eight is just uh 11 talking to the old nice grandmother lady for it's the just 11 on the bus <laughs> 45 minutes of oh that. my god <laughs> and oh not necessary and also i'm sorry like for the first time ever i didn't enjoy the montage it was a makeover montage and i yeah. still didn't enjoy it it was just like 
it was not working for me. Uh, yeah. So you called it, Mike. You you were not wrong. Uh, we are on uh, your you know, side of the divisiveness. Like, I guess maybe some people really enjoyed this episode. Uh, we seem to be on the same page in not so much. Um, yeah. Like, but, I, I, I'm interested to read those pieces and, uh, you know, see what other people's thoughts are. I do, again, like, we'll come across these couple of places where I think there's really important story and growth. But, yeah, whether the episode, Agree. So, yeah. And, and then it, also, start, before we move on, sorry, I just want to give a shout out to at Marv Marv. Thank you so much for our tweet and our um, previous tweets that you have uh, sent us saying how much you like the show. We are so happy to hear from you always. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And that you're still listening, even though you know how wrong we really are, is <laughs> a real credit to all of you. So thank you. Every much. person that has reached out to us <laughs> has mentioned that they've already binged the whole thing, which I mean, like, I'm glad to hear that it's still fun to listen to, even when you know that our theories are ridiculous. But, uh, you know, like it's you know what? Maybe it's fun to just like hear how much fun we're having, uh, like <laughs> guessing wildly. That's at- right all the crazy theory which is what's happening so yeah 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 okay so let's get into this one um so we pick up with 11 immediately after her experience with terry's memories so we've gone back in time a little bit on this episode and of course we're gonna sort of um see our timelines meet again by the end of this one um, so Al tells Becky about the repeating images uh, and that it's like a circle that just keeps repeating over and over and that Terry keeps showing her the girl in the rainbow room. And Elle thinks that the reason why she wanted L to see her memories was to show her this girl that that she wants her to find her. So um, Becky still has the old files that Terry had when she was looking for L, including uh, newspaper clippings of missing children. And L finds a picture of Callie. Uh, who we now know is Callie, this uh, little girl in the room with her. So she tries to find Callie in the black space, but can't in that moment. And then later when she's in bed, she seems to fall asleep, I guess. Is that true? Or is she just concentrating in bed and is able to get a vision of Callie like standing at a fire? Yeah, I felt like it was it was concentrating in bed. I mean, she's getting better and better at being able to do this without... Needing the, the static, blindfold and the static. Yeah, the, like her powers yeah. are getting stronger. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe not in this instance, but we do see later in the episode when she right. is asleep and she's in the black space there. Right. So, I mean, either case, an indication that she is, uh, yeah, becoming more powerful in her abilities. So Elle runs out to tell Becky that she found uh, the girl from the picture and discovers Becky on the phone with the Hawkins Police Department trying to get a hold of Hopper. And so this, like... You know, this seems like a real betrayal to Elle. Mm. So even though she has nothing to fear from Hopper, she obviously is not going to be able to continue on her uh, quest to find Callie and whatever. Like her freedom is going to be restricted if he comes and gets her. So she um, takes a bunch of money and uh, runs away. Yeah, and I think, you know, she hasn't yet heard the apology. I am so glad she gets to hear the apology. Me too. Uh, That's an excellent piece. Um, And, you know, this recurring theme of home that was Becky is who said this is your home now in the last one. And then to hear her calling the police and effectively, even though I think Becky's motivations were incredibly good. Like, I don't think she was, you know, she's concerned about this little girl. She knows people have come looking for her before. Like, it's not... um, it's not crazy, but to be like, this is your home now, and then for Eleven to find her calling the like police behind her. her back. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, this is what I meant when I said in a previous podcast that that I hope that Becky is genuine. Because I did have an inkling that something like this might happen, right. though in my mind I went to the extreme and I was like, Becky is putting up a front and is she is going to call and inform the lab. Like I thought it might have been much worse than what this is. Because you're right, it seems to be good intentioned. But either way, it's a betrayal and um, Elle is not sticking around to find out what happens. She's going to go find Callie. And then it's interesting that the final shot of this scene is Terry who's staring at the TV and seems to have changed the channel to like channel eight news which of course is a call to Callie being number eight so it seems that Terry is really aware of what's happening or maybe not interesting in like I hadn't real picked time. up on 
the eight reference there, but what I was wondering if it was about to cut to a news story being broken about the lab. Oh, you know, I mean from Nancy and Jonathan's right. efforts. Like, we don't see anything, but it's like, you know, she's been watching something, the news comes on, it cuts away. Like we're are we gonna start all of those things have been mailed and could be in news inboxes now. Like are they going to but maybe yeah. but maybe but your eight point is a really good one. Yeah, I think that that is a really good point that we will likely see at some point, though I do think that the focus in this in this moment was the fact that it was the number eight, eight. meaning Callie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Eleven is on a bus. We know that she's going to Chicago um, and she's getting more visions of where Callie is. Uh, so we get her exploring the big city for the first time. This was just, I thought that this was really cool to see, you know, the 80s Chicago kind of scene. Um, And of course, like, no one gives a shit that she's this girl on her own. She, like, runs into this mouth breather. (laughs) And, like, cops don't really pay attention to the fact that she's this girl walking around. Like, it's just whatever. Um, So she is in this kind of really seedy, sketchy area. She ends up arriving at that warehouse where we saw her visions. I also love this warehouse. (laughs) Yeah. Super cool. This is a pretty sweet hideout. Right? I know. Um, So she lets herself in. She's just super gutsy. Uh, And Kali's gang is all there. These are the people we saw in episode one. She does not get a very friendly greeting, but she says she's looking for her sister. She has that picture of Kali as a young girl. Um, the gang is definitely suspicious. Axel threatens her with a knife. And then this is the first time we see kind of those visions uh, on him. So his hand gets covered in spiders and he's super afraid. Uh, And uh, Kali has arrived. She wants to know where Elle got the picture. Elle says mama. And she introduces herself as Jane. So she's like clearly taken ownership of Jane as her name. Yeah. and then she prevents Axel from using picking up the knife. So she uses her own powers to like draw the knife back to her. Um, and this is kind of where Kali and Elle compare wrists and see each other's tattoos um, and say sister and hug. So, sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. Sorry. So like one thing that kind of struck me in this scene was, um, you know, just as an aside, that Axel, even knowing what's happening, even knowing that uh, Callie has these powers and that she is using them on him, it makes them no less effective. I think that right. it's a real like psychological thing where despite the fact that you might know in your conscious mind that it isn't real, you cannot help your physical reaction to something that you fear and whatever, which I think is, uh, you know, just an interesting point. And yeah, then, very true, because Eleven's going to have the same thing later on. And it, I mean, if that wasn't the case, then, you know, horror movies wouldn't be a, be scary because, like, they're clearly not that's real. Right. <laughs> and yet they're still able to get you every time. So Exactly. Um, and then uh, just, like, the introduction of herself as Jane. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she's going to keep that? Do you think that she's going to be Jane going forward now? I do feel that way. Like, I, I think... You know, it's a real name. It's not a number. It's not associated with the lab. It comes from what her mother wanted to call her. I think, you know, Kali, too, has taken a name. Like, I think that those are meaningful actions that I was actually thinking about it when I was watching it. I was like, oh, are we going to have to switch to Jane now? Um, yeah. But what, like, what do you think? I think no. Um, so, so I essentially think that, like, in my notes, I put that, um, that, Eleven is like Goldilocksing, for lack of a better word. Yes, uh, definitely. With, with the theme yeah. of home, right? So we have like um, Hopper calling the cabin home, and we have Kali ca- um, calling the warehouse home, and whatever. And then at the end, she says that she's going to her friends, and that is home to her. And so, in the same way, I kind of feel like she's trying Jane on, and I think that at the end of the episode, she's deciding that it doesn't fit perhaps um and what makes me say that is her vision of mike uh coining the name l for her and so i think that it's not 11 that she's choosing to keep as a name it's the name that mike gave her which was l right um that's a good point because you do see that clip um 
I feel like the home thing for me, I completely agree on the Goldilocks thing. I feel like it is home is not a physical place. It's a state of mind. And it's exactly. like all of the places are being referred to as physical locations. Like this is your home. And yeah. for her, the realization is home is where these people are and where she feels she is needed and, you know, like well loved. Um, and that is home no matter where she ends up like physically sleeping. Uh, yes. which who knows what that will be. Um, it's It doesn't matter as much as like the kind of entire situation that is home. Um, yeah, I completely agree. But I think like, I don't know, her connection to her mother is very strong. And I think there's real significance that her mother gave her that name and that that's where she, I don't know. But it, it's a good, very good point about, you know, them showing the part where Mike says you're going to be called L. It's just, it's so lab affiliated. Yeah, that's true. Um, on a side note, I continued to call her L through all of my notes and well, we'll in this fair. podcast until, <laughs> until yeah. the show until tells we us we have to change. That's I'm going right. to keep calling her L. Yeah. Um, so Callie and Elle are on the roof and uh, Elle has obviously just finished filling Callie in on Hopper and how he thinks that they that he can work out a deal to essentially allow Elle to go free in Hawkins. Um, Callie says that he's being naive and that they are always going to be monsters in the eyes of the people from the lab. And she tells Elle that her gifts make her very special and that she has a gift too and then demonstrates that she can make people see what she chooses them to see or not see by creating this like beautiful illuminated butterfly. And um, she explains that this isn't real. She's just convinced Elle's mind that it's real. So it's like magic. I love that effect um, too. I know. A beautiful piece of, yeah. Again, the music was uh, yes, really was. used to, to good effect in this episode, mm-hmm. I found. Uh, it has a really great way of evoking the feelings uh, sort of to the nth degree it just sort of like elevates everything in terms of what's showing on the screen and I thought they that they did a really impactful job in this scene um so later in Callie's bedroom she's telling Elle that she feels whole like there was a piece of her missing and now there isn't uh and she thinks that Terry sent Elle here because they she knew that they belonged together and she thinks that this is Elle's home um so we talked about the home themes quite a bit but then so let's talk about what do you feel like Terry Ives' intention was yeah. to send Eleven to Cali? Yeah, I know. I really kind of struggled with that one. You know, I mean, part of me was thinking um, if Terry can't be her family anymore because she's, you know, not able to kind of break through, then does she know that this girl was also you know, Elle's family and wants her to be able to find her and know that she exists. Yeah. Uh, and do you think that Elle doesn't remember her because she was too young? Like, she doesn't have any memories of her other than what she saw in Terry's mind. Um, yeah, I guess maybe. that I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest, but I don't necessarily jump to the conclusion that her not having a memory of her is impactful. But right. now that you say it, I mean, she definitely looked to be old enough to have some... And she talks about um, it, right? She says she remembers the memories. day she went back to the Rainbow Room and Elle wasn't there anymore, and that's when she planned to escape. Um, right. And Elle was quite young. I mean, we, we we do see them again in kind of their childhood forms when they knew each other, and there's a you know substantial height difference and age difference, despite that's, my inability to ever tell kids' na- ages. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, I, Terry could not have known where – Kali ended up did she think well that is my question that she's still captured so my my question was that like so my theory um involved an assumption that Terry is able to see things in a way similar to Eleven being able to see things and whether or not she can do that I don't know but my thought was that perhaps Terry was um sort of sending Elle to Callie, not because she wanted Callie to sort of save Elle, which seems to be Callie's assumption, um, but because 
she wanted Elle to save Kali. Right. Like if she has some kind of awareness of the fact that Kali is sort of in with a, a group of people who, although seem dedicated to her, they're all on a really dark path. Maybe she wants to bring Kali back from the brink. And I do envision Kali coming to Hawkins to find Elle in a future episode or a future season. Right. Um, so, you know, like I feel like maybe meeting Elle and finding this piece of herself that she didn't even know was missing is now something that she cannot live without. And with Elle making the choice to go back to Hawkins and save her friends, maybe Kali will also make a different choice and live a different way. It's interesting to me um, that I think that Callie and her group of friends are introduced somewhat like Elle and her group of friends in an entirely different way, different mm. circumstances, you know, different place. Um but so they I mean, are like, like a, a group. Everybody has a role to play. It's, you know, kind of structured. Exactly. It just sort of called back. This is actually a scene that's coming up in a minute. So we can talk about it more more there. But like um, when she's introducing her friends and like this is our warrior and yeah. this is our protector. It felt very similar to when in an earlier episode um, that I can't remember who it was. Uh, Mike, I think, who was saying like Lucas is our ranger. Dustin is our whatever. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so I think that like, if things were different for Elle, if she had fallen in with a group that was not these great kids, she very well could have gone down a very similar path to Kali, but she didn't. And in any case, I think that uh, all of that is based on the presumption that Terry Ives has an awareness of what's going on even outside of her own sort of immediate uh, surroundings so whether or not that's true I don't know but it would be interesting if it if it was true um, yeah for sure um I think that is it, it's like it's hard to know whether she has that ability to do it or not uh yeah. and then did you find in this scene like there's a real juxtaposition between this scene and the next which is that after this you know Kali goes down she's very straight-faced matter of fact you know she knows that Elle was able to find people with nothing but an image and they're going to do a job tomorrow uh, kind of thing. Like, I didn't – so that to me I found it was like, okay, she's not really feeling this way about the piece of her being missing necessarily. And she sees a lot more like utilitarianism in Elle's presence than she maybe was letting on. But then I feel by the end of the episode she may even be surprised by her own feelings of connection with her. Did yeah, like I – I got that essentially only momentarily, but it was in this same scene where I changed my mind, actually. So okay. I, I got that exact same feeling when I thought that Callie was coming down saying, we now have this perfect tool for us to continue to rob banks. You know, I, at this point, I thought they were still like bank robbers or whatever. And right. so I thought that Callie was going to exploit Elle's uh, abilities in order to um, use her to, you know, gain riches and whatever but then in the very same scene when she continues on or maybe it's a different scene but either way as soon as we realize that they are not in fact robbing banks that they are avenging um their treatment in the lab by killing off all of the people who were involved in their abduction and whatever that uh it seemed it seemed to me that she is in fact genuine she does genuinely care for l but what she believes that l needs is just wildly different than you know than what l actually needs or wants yeah yeah i mean I, i'm kind of torn because i'm like in part of way absolutely i i see that and then the other it's like i think this is what Kali needs and wants and so she yes. maybe is positioning it that way um or positioning it to the group that way but i i don't know it just it's such a dramatic departure but maybe it's just the way she's acting for her friends um yeah, I th- honestly, I chalked it up to be- there being a difference between her um, treatment of her fragile younger sister who has run away from home to find her and how mm-hmm. you would approach that versus how you approach your sort like of your like, yep. you know, gang of group of which she's the leader. Um, yeah, so I didn't chalk it up to much more than that, but maybe you're right. And, uh, you know, she doesn't even realize how much she genuinely sort of has a care and concern for Elle until she's gone. Um, but either way, I think we're in the same place that by the end of the episode, Kali is genuinely unhappy to see Elle go. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, Elle's in the black space and she can hear Hopper's voice on the radio. So she does get to hear the apology. <laughs> Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seems you know, very emotional by hearing what Hopper is saying as well. And then um, there's a hand that lands on her shoulder in the black space, which is simultaneously happening in the real world when Callie is waking her up. So she is seeing this um, image and hearing the sound of Hopper's uh, message in the black space while she's sleeping. She didn't concentrate to get there, which is interesting, as we've mentioned. Um, so then Callie brings her downstairs to meet all of her friends, Axel, Dottie, Mick, and Funshine. And uh, this is where she goes around a little bit with Mick and Funshine in particular, speaking about their role in the group, which kind of has a bit of a um, similarity to the way that the group of uh, friends back in Hawkins is structured. And just like a side note, Funshine is the biggest human being I've ever seen. I know. (laughs) And he is a big teddy bear. He seems so sweet and gentle with Elle, which I find very endearing. Um, So when uh, he goes to shake Elle's hand, she looks for a number, but there isn't one. And Callie confirms that none of the rest of the group are like Elle and Callie in that way. Um, But they are similar to them in that they are outcasts and freaks and that society has hurt them and discarded them. So Fun says that Callie saved them in their head and in their heart and that now they help Callie on her mission and that they're all fighters. So uh, this is kind of a quick cut to Callie dumping out a bag of name cards and ID tags. And these are all of the people who they have found who had like helped um, with the, you know, the the lab and contributed to Elle and Callie being held in the lab. And so mm-hmm. ultimately Elle realizes that they kill the bad men and Callie is really justifying this um, and you know, ultimately they're bad people who they make pay for their crimes. And then the gang doesn't think that Elle can really cut it. They don't think she's a fighter. And uh, Elle's like, I've killed. And she has, like, she's killed a lot in season one. But it's different. It was Mm -hmm. all in self-defense where, Mm -hmm. you know, there was real danger for her in that moment. She's never killed someone in cold blood the way Callie and her group are doing. Um. So essentially, Callie just tells Elle that, like, it's the same thing, but this time they're striking first. Um, so this is the part that I found. Actually, this scene, this next scene is the one that I found the most impactful of the whole episode. And uh, in my ongoing trend of likening things to other pop culture, so I feel like this is very Star Wars. Um, and it's the battle <laughs> it's so of true. light and dark and, like... Anakin Skywalker turning to the dark side in trying to do something good and then ultimately becoming, you know, a Sith because of the fact that he was trying to protect the people he loved. And so there's this scene outside where Kali um, is telling Elle that she used to be like her and her pain and anger festered. And there's an explanation of festered, which I also think is significant because this is the third analogy of something like this. So we've had weeds that dive and grow. We've had cancer. And now we have anger and pain festering and spreading. And all of those are analogous to what we're seeing happening literally in Hawkins. Yes. Um, And that she only began to heal when she confronted her pain. So she's trying to, well, she wants Elle to move this giant train towards them. Uh, Elle concentrates, but she can only kind of make the train shake. Uh, And so she tells Callie she can't do it. And Callie reminds her that she once lifted a van when she was really angry. And we get the flashback to when she made that van just like fly. fly. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, And so Callie tells her to find her anger and to focus on that. And there's this, I just love this interspersing of Callie talking and telling her to focus on her anger and telling her what she should feel. And then us seeing what Elle is using to respond to those cues. Yeah, like to Um, fuel the fire. Right. And I think it's very, so yeah, a couple of things. I think um, what comes out of this is that she's, what actually will channel her powers even greater is 
love um, rather yeah. than hate and fear. And I, I think what she chooses are not the things that Kali is probably assuming that she's choosing. So the very first thing she goes to to say that she's angry is Max and Mike together. Um, yes. It's not. I was like through this thing, it was a very impactful scene, but I was disappointed in the imagery that Eleven was choosing. But I think it's so and- significant. Like yes. that's that's the whole like the first thing. This is a girl who's been prisoned, beaten, tortured, yes. like put into the upside down with a demogorgon, threatened by a demogorgon. The demogorgon barely appears. Um, the first thing that she thinks of that makes her angry is the fact that Mike may have feelings for somebody else. Right. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like at first glance, I was like, you know, I'm disappointed that Eleven is being so petty. And then upon further reflection, it it's just, um, it goes to show the things that she holds most dear, the things that mm-hmm. are most important to her. So it's like, it isn't the uh, isolation and being beaten in the lab that is primary amongst these images. It is her loved ones, mm-hmm. you know, essentially doing her wrong in her mind or having uh, fights with them and whatever. You're absolutely right. This is, uh, this is deliberate for sure. Yeah. So it's, it's her and Max, or it's Max and Mike, sorry. It's Hopper telling her, lying to her that her mother isn't around anymore. Well, not lying, as we discussed in that episode, but misleading <laughs> that yes. her mother yeah. isn't around anymore. Um, being in prison at the lab, which qu- quickly transitions to being imprisoned in Hopper's cabin and the fight with Hopper, which... Um, you know, she's equating Terry's memories, um, which are so awful. Brenner, who, of course, plays a recurring theme and who is very complicated. And then the Demogorgon. Like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We'll just throw that in at the end. Exactly. Yes. Um, So I I do have to say that, like, I think that you're right. I think that um, these were deliberate and they were points being made to show, uh, you know, a something about Elle's state of mind and what she holds dear. At the same time, I have to say that, like, I found the the scene sort of, like, less awesome <laughs> because That's what, I loved this scene yeah we are very, what very you different. um yeah. what you normally see in that scene because this is sort of like a common type of thing that you would see in um in tv shows and and movies sometimes like I don't know like star wars or others is that like you have someone who is evoking images and then we get flashes to see those images and that like so I was too expecting to see these like epic you know like um betrayals the lab Brenner all the Mm. things that Elle has been through so when it flashes to Max and Mike I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) but you're absolutely right you called it right on that I think well I don't know yeah I just I I super love that and I I love that um I also think it's significant that she is able to move the train based on these feelings. But yes. I think it's significant that, and I recognize they're very different sized things, but that the van like flew over the yes. top of them while they were biking. And this was, you know, her powers are stronger now than they were then. And yeah. she's never able to move the train nearly as as much. And so, Easily. again, in terms of like the motivations that you know, lead you to be able to do it, um, that there's, you know, it's significant there too. That was one of the things that I noted down about being a good thing from this episode, despite all of the things that we might not have liked about it. What I did appreciate is that uh, this did give us some explanation, I think, about how Elle will be able to take on the many demogorgi that I think that she is going to when she goes back to Hawkins. Right. Um, So although these demogorgons are, uh, I think, smaller and not quite the same as last season, uh, last season she essentially, like, exerted so much power and energy that she uh you know transported herself into the upside down when she was trying to take down a single demogorgon uh so i think that uh to kind of see her going from that to being able to take on Mm -hmm. many might have been a bit of a jump without showing us what happens in between so we have been seeing the gradual increase of her powers which we've mentioned in earlier episodes but in this one i think that um whether or not the images in this particular scene are what evokes her ability to be able to take on that level of uh, of threat. I think that ultimately what we're seeing in this episode is her realizing how she can control her powers uh, better and uh, become more powerful. So 
I think that's important because I have no doubt that she is going to show up guns a blazing in <laughs> in uh, episode eight. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, so. Sorry, Callie shows Ella wall covered in pictures of people from the lab. Some of them have big X's through them, so I guess she's taken those yeah. people out already. She al- she asks Elle if she recognizes anyone, and she does. The man who um, uh, administered the electroshock therapy is on the wall. Um, the to the one who administered electroshock shock therapy to uh, Terry. Mm-hmm. And then he's also seen using a cattle prod on Callie in a flashback. So he's been hard to track, I guess, but not anymore because Elle is able to find people with just a picture. And uh, and she does that like in the, the very next scene. So Elle is obviously super angry. She rips the picture in two. And then um, this is the guy they're going to go after. So Mick is concerned that they don't have a new ride. But Callie says they'll just put new plates on the van that they have. And then everyone's in for uh, for taking out their target, Ray. Uh, but before they leave, we get uh, an underwhelming makeover underwhelming <laughs> only because i just like i don't like l like this i feel like she just she just doesn't you know she isn't suited to like black eyeshadow and slick back hair like that's new not the age. l we know and love yeah, yeah no it's not uh it's again with the goldilocks like i think it's like Maybe she looks like a little too kiddish and then she gets really <laughs> intensely, exactly. you know, brought into the And in between. Exactly. Needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they are off taking this huge risk, which of course is going to come back to bite them. They're in this like Scooby-Doo van that is highly ostentatious. Um, and they yeah, pass some cars on the subtle. way. Not subtle. No. Not subtle. New plates or not. Like how many vans, even in the 80s, are driving around like that? Um, so they pass some cops, one of whom kind of has like a flicker of recognition about the van. I think that's going to play later. Um, so they stop at a gas station to stock up. Callie makes the gas station guy think that his bathroom is leaking. I love the, I love the cuts back and forth with her power, which I also think is like a tremendous power and is so cool. We haven't talked about that, but, um, like, you know, you see the leaking bathroom and then you see him like gingerly tiptoeing around it without the vision there. Like... (laughs) It's very effective um, and how she's able to use it later on, too, when the police are there. Uh, it's really something. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's take a pause here and talk a little bit about Callie's powers. Like, so, like, what what are your thoughts on how Callie and her powers are going to contribute to the larger story, if at all? Yeah. Well, I think it comes to your theory about is she going to show up? in the next two episodes again, or is she going to show up more in the future? Um, yes. And it's hard for me to th- think that through. I can see both happening. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. I do have some thoughts on if we, she does show up this season, I have some thoughts on how she could really help. So the two big ones that stood out to me are that if she's able to, to make someone see things, anything that she wants or not see, really, um, then could she prevent the shadow monster from spying on them through Will if she's able to make Will's mind see what she wants or not see it? You know, so, like, Will, um, you know, the shadow monster is obviously not human, but Will is, and if it's inhabiting his body, then potentially he is still going to be subject to Callie's power like anyone else. So that was something that I was thinking... And then the other thing I was thinking is that it would be really convenient to have Kali around if and when, like, there's an investigation or a media storm surrounding yes. whatever the the uh, story is that gets out from Jonathan and Nancy. Like, that would also be good. She could essentially, like, create a, you know, toxic spill or whatever it is to sort of explain things away and get people out of their hair. Um so I don't know. This is a really convenient power to have. I think it, it's, you know, enormously powerful. It does seem, though, that she has to be very present in it, right? So, like, yeah. and it does take a lot of concentration, especially for bigger, probably more people, too. So it's good for kind of short-term use. Um, like, we've seen her use it. The biggest struggle she has is when she has to both concentrate and prevent the police from seeing them. Um, yes. So... But yeah, I think those are really 
you know, great theories. But like, and em- imagine if there is like an area that the kids need to keep people away from. Yeah, maybe I, yeah, because, you know up. what I mean? And yeah. so like Callie is able to use her powers to um, even just get some people in authority to believe that there is a toxic spill or whatever yeah. it is. And then those people, it doesn't have to be a continuous image. Those people can then, you know, retreat, call in, uh, you know, call in the lab who are all in on it and then, you know, hold the bystanders back so that the lab can do their job, like whatever it is. It's just like, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like sustained and ongoing for a mass number of people, but like, you know, could be really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So back at the gas station, um, they, they are going to, they're just stocking up on stuff, which is them stealing a whole bunch of stuff. There's a couple of kind of like funny scenes about where each of them goes in terms of what their priorities are. Right. Um, (laughs) Then, but they're not fast enough. The gas station attendant comes back out. He's got a gun and he's caught Axel stealing from the cash register. Um, Kali tries to step in and de-escalate and her, her way of talking to him is that you know, she's, they're all in the same boat going against the man and that he should be on their side and not um, the other way around, which I think is a very, speaks to her incredibly dark and dismal outlook on life. That it's like Mm -hmm. this gas station attendant or owner or whatever, like this is his job and they're taking from him. And of course there's an impact to like the small business owner here. Um, Sure. But she's just like sees it as this incredibly, you know, us versus them kind of attitude. Um, but that doesn't necessarily seem to be working. But Elle comes and slams him against the wall, knocking him out. And then they hear cops coming. So they speed away. Yeah. So they arrive at the apartment building where Ray, their target, lives. And then Mick, I think, um, is who suggests that yes. they should case the joint um, as they normally would. But then Callie says it's not necessary because now they have L. So L tells them that Ray looks to be alone. So th- again, this is like without blindfold, without static. L is um, mm-hmm. a Uh, supposed to be able to or she thinks she is able to determine whether or not he is there alone it turns out that that needs a little work I think because not true well Uh, I think everybody's just over there there's an overconfidence here there's a recklessness associated with it there's people not thinking it through and mistakes are a lot of mistakes are made in this the execution of this approach yes absolutely um, so, uh, they make their way inside wearing masks and Elle uses her powers to unlock the door. <clears throat> Ray, meanwhile, is watching Punky Brewster before the TV goes out. Uh, and he like gets up to see what's going on as they make their way inside the apartment. So once they're inside, Callie and Elle confront Ray while the rest go to sort of ransack the place. And they remove their their masks and ask if he remembers them. And then Callie makes him see them as they looked when they were in the rainbow room as children. And then he realizes who they are. Mm -hmm. So they start to sort of beat him and um, he's begging for his life. And he says he was only following orders and that he can tell them where Brenner is, that Brenner is alive. Um, Elle seems to be in real denial about that. But Callie doesn't seem to like really sort of take the bait either way essentially she just says if he is alive 11 will find him just like the she found you um so l starts to strangle him as callie is encouraging her to kill him but not too fast and as she's strangling him she sees a picture of him with his two daughters that definitely gives her pause and then meanwhile in the other room axel and dotty find those daughters who are hiding in a corner and they've called the police and then um you know, back in the other room, Elle hesitates, releases her grip on Ray as Axel and Dottie come out and say there are kids in the apartment and they've got to go. But Callie... And she sees doesn't... the picture, right? Like, which I think is what causes her to... Of him with those two girls at the yes, same time exactly. that they come out. Yeah. So she's clearly affected by the fact that there are... There's a family yes. involved. Yeah. Exactly. So um, Callie continues to encourage Elle to kill him. But when it's clear that Elle is not going to move forward with it, Callie pulls out her own gun. Uh, But Elle sort of disarms her by throwing the gun out the window with her powers. And then they have no choice. They have to run at this point. The sirens are like on top of them. So in the van, Callie tells Elle that although it is her choice to show mercy if she wants to, that she should never take Callie's choice away from her again. Um, 
I mean, do you think that in this moment, obviously it is the daughters that really kind of brings Elle back to the present in terms of what she's doing? Like, ultimately, do you think that she would have mo- she would have gone through with it if she hadn't seen that picture, if there were no daughters? It does feel like it, but I think it would have been a real turning point for her. You know, like, yeah. I think it's a blessing that doesn't happen that way. And while she's killed before, to your point earlier, which I think is really excellent, they've been in very different situations. And... Um, you know, to save her own life, to protect others, um, to like win the battle. It's not this premeditated revenge killing that just That's seems right. a bit more soul sucking. I mean, this guy is a bad guy. Like I totally yes. agree. And it's awful to see all of the things that he's done. And I totally agree with Kali's point of like, you chose to work for a really bad guy. Like nobody forced you to do that. Um, but it's, you know, she's got Kali in her ear and she's still able to dis like, disconnect from that rage and think a little bit more broadly about it that I don't know it's that like you know old trope but it doesn't how much different is she than the rest of them if she's like than the bad guys if she's willing to kind of do this stuff so it's um, do you think that Callie is redeemable I do but what do you think I do too yeah I honestly think like in my mind I think that Elle is there for a reason Ellis to show her what family really is. And uh, honestly, I definitely feel like this group surrounding Callie, they are genuine and devoted to her. But mm-hmm. I don't, I think that Callie is really the driving factor of the reason why they're doing all of this. But she doesn't have, she doesn't yeah. have anyone in this group who is um, checking her. No, you're right. Uh, you know, or challenging her in terms of her motives, right? Like they feel an allegiance to her, and they're following her lead. Honestly, I think that if Callie has a change of uh, a change of heart, that this group won't continue to murder people. You know, like um, I don't, I don't know if that's true. They're obviously kind of like fine with uh, with using force and 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 violence and that sort of thing. But in any case, I really feel like Callie is the driving factor, and I think that her. Uh, encounter with Elle is going to be strong enough to make her choose a different path. Well, and two, like, I mean, we don't, we know that she went and was with a family and she said it didn't, how does she word that? When She said she lost them too. Right. Like they, they couldn't help her and she lost them too. You know, and so it's, she's comparing her experiences to what Hopper is, but of course we know we're very familiar with the Hawkins situation and I wouldn't necessarily liken it to what maybe she's thinking, thinking that it is. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's like, I know I, she says to Elle, like Hopper prevents you from using your powers. And she says, yes, but we also know that Hopper knows that she, she goes and like, you know, checks in on Mike. Um, and yes. like his protection kind of comes from somewhere else. I think then Kali is assuming it's coming from, which, um, you know, he thinks she's a freak and he doesn't want to use it. I think it's like, he just wants to protect her so badly that, um, that he doesn't want her to be exposed. And yeah. if she is more familiar with that, you know, acceptance and and kind of approach, then maybe that would help. But, like, I think we have a much better team surrounding Elle than Kali had surrounding her. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, so I will say, too, though, that, like, although I see Callie coming to Hawkins, although I see her having this change of heart and whatever, like, I don't picture her sort of coming up, becoming a part of the Scooby gang. You know, she's not going to like, she's not going to be a regular, in my opinion, on the show going forward, where she's now going to go on adventures with these guys and whatever. I think that she is going to, you know, appear, if not at the end of this season, perhaps in next season, but then, you know, not, not indefinitely. So maybe we'll have some kind of storyline where Callie sacrifices herself for Elle. Like she gets the true meaning of family and love. And, you know, we see, you know, her, um, make a choice to, to, to save this person that has come to mean so much to her. Like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't necessarily seeing her there forever, but well, I think they're very different ages. Like, it's an age that isn't really – anyway, yes, I, I think for sure she's much more grown up. She's used to being much more independent. Elle is a much different age. And so, you know, it would be great if they could maybe maintain a relationship if she is going to survive, but that they, it's not necessarily, um, like, directly involved there in Hawkins. Right. 
Like she's not going to play D&D with him on a yeah, no, Friday I, night. I, yeah. I feel like no. <laughs> Uh, so back at the hideout, the that gang is kind of counting their loot and they're playing cards. Um, Callie comes in to talk to Elle and she's, you know, a little bit repentant, but she says that she is just trying to prevent Elle from making the same mistakes that she did. Um, and she says that Ray's kids don't excuse his sins. And this is where she says that she remembers coming back to the Rainbow Room and Elle being gone, that she found um, a family and lost them too. So just like we were just discussing. Um, And that's when she decided to stop hiding and use her gifts against those who hurt them. Um, And Elle has this choice to make to face the man who called himself their father or to go back to hiding. So this is again about Brenner. um, And Elle says that Brenner is dead. She's clearly very affected by all of this. And Kali creates like an image of of Brenner who's talking to her and this is again the wound that's festering um, metaphor and that she has a rot that will grow and spread and eventually it will kill her so what did you think the significance of this whole Brenner speech was yeah I mean like I think that it's very clear that you could you know replace a f- like replace the festering pain analogy uh, with uh, like Vines from the upside down. Yeah. <laughs> the, and the description would be exactly the same. And you're right. This isn't the first time that we've heard it. Like there have been several descriptors of things that may in, at times be unrelated and yet, you know, sounding to be an exact description of this sort of infestation of vines and shadow monster and whatever that we have going on under the lab in Hawkins. So it made me think a little bit about the origins of the shadow monster, which we had talked about in the past about it not being, uh, you know, something that, that we can really put our finger on. Like if the shadow monster has done to the upside down, exactly what it's doing to this world, if it didn't originate in that world, then where did it come from? Mm. So it made me think a little bit, and I can't think exactly of the, the show or movie it is that I'm referencing, but like, if it is sort of an un, an undefined, um, I think actually maybe is it the um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, where it's like, uh, you know, like pain and rage and guilt or whatever. It sort of like uh, culminizes yeah. almost into a physical being. Yeah, it's the creation. Yes, yes. So that's where my mind went a little bit where uh, when she when Hopper is talking about how pain and anger and rot within her is going to grow and spread and fester like maybe in a literal way that is sort of like um, what's happening with the shadow monster. But beyond that, like I'm grasping at straws here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely it's a reference to like the the physicality of what's happening in Hawkins. And I think, too, it it better reflects Kali's state of mind than Elle's. Um, and that makes sense because it's her saying it. So I think it's she's more, yes. just, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a tricky thing when you're watching Brenner say something but knowing it's coming from Kali. Um, That's right. And it's always amazing because every time they put him in these shows, they credit him at the very end. Have you noticed that? Because they can't, they don't credit him in the opening credits. Yeah, it's a dead giveaway. Yeah. At the same time, on a side note, I'm so glad that I have not, I don't know what the chapters are called of the episodes in advance. I I learned them as I'm watching them for the first time because that would also, I think, color some of the um, ideas or comments. I know. Like I wanted to look up, um, I wanted to look up an actor on IMDb, but it will tell me how many episodes they're in. So like I can't even do that. So sorry guys, if there's errors, we know, but I don't want to look them up and and not know uh, without ruining it for myself. So um, so yeah, I haven't looked up like how many episodes is Matthew and Dean in because that will help too. But it's, you know, it's Kali saying these things. I think it's been festering and rotting in her. She's been trying to address it this way through this like approach, but it seems like a very unsustainable um, an unhealthy mindset and like while she's projecting it the other way for Elle it almost kind of like sounds more applicable to her situation um, but I do think it's significant as to how viscerally Elle continues to react to Brenner um, and yeah. that that will have a reckoning at some point if not in the next two episodes. I agree. Um, I do actually think I think that Brenner is going to be a season three 
Yeah, like make. Yeah. I mean, there is so much to deal with in season two still, with only two episodes left, including the fact that like the Demogorgai are literally about to run rampant through the, the entire like lab, yeah. which I cannot come to grasp as to how it doesn't just end up with everybody we love dead. Um, you know that how can we we can't deal with all of this stuff. So that's right. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I was definitely like. <laughs> I mean, when we see L on the bus heading back to Hawkins on the way home, I was like, "How long is this bus ride? Like, people are being ripped apart right now. Probably you need a faster method of transportation. Exactly. Why couldn't one of your powers be teleportation? <laughs> Amazing. Um. Okay. So, um. Uh, a SWAT team is surrounding the building, and uh, the the gang has not realized this yet. So uh, Callie is – sorry, Elle is alone in Callie's room, and she's sort of, like, holding the plaid shirt that she was wearing when – or that she she brought with her from Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Is this, like – is this, like, Hopper's shirt or Mike's? I was wondering that, too. I um, – it clearly brings back her back to Hawkins. I don't know if it's his or – Yeah. Yeah. But either way, it's evoking feelings in her of uh, of her friends, of her home back in Hawkins. So we have flashes of Mike calling her Elle, of Dustin calling her their friend, of Mike telling her that she's not a monster, and that of like Hopper in the cabin, sort of like dancing around, being <laughs> being like Peak Hopper, and telling yeah. her that she's home. And then she's back in the black space and she sees Hopper in the lab. So we're kind of back to the very end of the last episode and the events that transpired. So we see Elle seeing Hopper Mm -hmm. uh, when he discovers that the soldiers are in the place in the sort of maze of tunnels uh, where he had had been lost before and then we see mike trying to warn the warn them of a trap and then after l tries to you know sort of like reach out to mike and he disappears we see her turn and she obviously sees something that frightens her off screen but we the viewer can't see this yet so you think she's seeing demogorgai i believe that is what it is yes <laughs> I, I agree demogorgai people. ripping people's faces off yeah exactly so yeah not good um, so the cops burst into the hideout. Kali grabs Elle and she brings her with the others so they're all in a group together. I mean, Kali really does look after this group. It is yes. um, really something like at first for two seconds I was like, is she just going to take off with Elle? But no, she's running to the group. Um, and she's able to, by getting them to stay still, make them invisible by convincing the cops that they're just seeing blank space, which is very cool. Um, as they're kind of Yeah, like this was a them. really cool shot for sure. Yeah. Um, so after they've kind of passed them, the gang runs outside. There's cops waiting out there. Uh, there's a gunfight while they're hiding behind what seems to be an incredibly bulletproof van. Um, <laughs> That's true. And uh, this is where Kali seems to take – it takes the most kind of concentration and effort, and she raises this, like, enormous, you know, steel wall um, that comes out of the ground protecting the van. Uh, and then as L tells her that she's not going to go with them as they make this escape, that her friends are in trouble and she has to go back. You can see the wall starting to falter as Kali is like both trying to keep it up and convince Elle to come with them, you know, and like, yes. um, And you see her just very emotionally affected by this entire decision while Elle kind of escapes on foot and the rest of the crew takes off in the van. A, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I did. I loved the line when Callie said, your friends can't save you. And Elle yeah, said, that's true, but I can save them. Yeah. And I think that that is the that's the, the thing, right, is that like, whereas Callie is looking to sort of heal her pain by taking out revenge, which I think is never going to satisfy her in the way that she hopes it does. Elle is healing her pain by finding purpose. And that purpose is to... Uh, protect those she loves and I think that you know like Callie Callie has those that she's protecting in this group but like it's it simply isn't the same um, in my opinion and like when Elle is putting herself at risk so that she can go and protect her friends from the lab that she knows is you know trying to to hunt her like Mm -hmm. you know she is uh, willing to sacrifice for herself for her friends and that I think is how she's she is going to heal is, you know, through 
these relationships that she's developed. So, Which I think is way healthier. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So Ella's back on the bus headed back to Hawkins and she she's asked by a nice elderly lady if she's okay and comments that Elle is young to be traveling alone. And then when she asks Elle where she's headed, Elle says that she's going to, to her friends, that she's going home. So we've talked about that a little bit, that essentially, even if it is not a physical, um, you know, like structure, she is home when she's with her group of besties. Yeah. Yeah. Yay! And thank God, we have talked already about the fact that we feel like the show is really kind of doing itself a disservice by not having Elle with the group. And now seven episodes into a nine episode season, it looks like we're finally going to get our group back together. And it it was too long, in my opinion. I Mm -hmm. think that they kept them apart for too long. Certainly, I'm really enjoying the season. We've already talked about the problematic... um, issues with this episode in our opinion but like i expect the last two episodes are gonna be gangbusters and i'm really excited for it me too and now i'm gonna go watch episode eight (laughs) that's right right. okay so when we come back in episode eight l will have destroyed all demogorgai okay maybe not (laughs) but she's there and she is fighting steve dustin lucas and max will have somehow made their way to Hopper, Joyce, Mike, and Will. Like, we need to have everybody in the same place. Do you think it's going to be at the lab where the big showdown takes place? Or do you think that these guys are going to escape from the lab, the Demogorgons are going to be out loose in the town, and, you know, our yeah, team is... I think, uh I think the bringing together will, will be nine rather than eight. So, but yeah. I'm, I, honestly, I am literally guessing that. So... The, the bringing together will be in episode nine. Yeah. Like, I think eight right. will still be people trying to figure out where everything is. I think they're going to be, you know, we're wary and weary from a battle. And then episode nine will be kind of the. That makes sense. The big, the grandstand, the the yeah. final stand. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it's probably unlikely that we're going to have a resolution with the whole shadow monster and everything. Agreed. At the very least, I think we're going to maybe win one big battle mm-hmm. and then still have a whole lot to resolve in season nine. I'm sorry, in season three. What I am wondering is that is, um, is the big battle that we're going to win perhaps be the winning Will back from the influence of the Shadow Monster? I do hope uh, we get Will back, yeah. I hope so, too. I would like to go into season three with, for the first time ever, Will and Elle <laughs> and the rest of the group all together in one place. Right. Uh, with Will not being possessed by by a Shadow Monster. Uh, so that is my hope. If nothing else is resolved, I want Will back by the end of episode nine. Well, I hope we get it. And I will now go check it out. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We will be back later today with episode eight. So um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Woohoo! Okay. Thanks, thanks. Jim. Bye. Bye.